Hey girls and ghouls, welcome to Slashers Prefer Blondes, a podcast where three brunettes talk the kinds of movies that bite, scream, and slash. I'm Natalie. I'm Heidi. And I'm Laura. And today we're diving into a tale of lake house horror as we unpack David Bruckner's 2021 film, The Night House. am bringing us to the night house this month with my pick as per usual i am consistently oscillating between something incredibly insane and fun and something debilitatingly sad so (laughs) today i thought that i would bring us this movie starring the spectacular and amazing fantastic wonderful rebecca hall and just like genuinely one of like the most viscerally sad things I had seen in theaters in quite some time. (laughs) I was actually very impressed that you picked a ghost story. I don't know if I would actually label it a ghost story. The reason why I wouldn't label it as a ghost story is because I found this movie scary and unsettling in a way that normally is not something that I see in ghost stories. Mm -hmm. I would liken this movie in terms of tone and vibe a little more to the invisible man that came out recently but it is a ghost story is it a ghost story i don't think it's a ghost story i definitely think it's a ghost story i think that it definitely has like some occult spiritualistic vibes but i don't think that it's a ghost laura i am characteristically i characteristically see both sides of the argument (laughs) Um, (laughs) very diplomatic here. I think I could, yeah, I could see an argument for each. I read the entire film as more, like, in a more metaphorical sense. Well, yeah. Heidi, do you read The Babadook as a ghost story? I would say that that one does not qualify as a ghost story because it is a monster that comes out of the book. Okay. Mm, I would argue that the entity that she is, I guess, fighting against in this movie is also a form of monster. Ooh. That's, it's interesting because when I was trying to think of a film to compare this to, like that kind of did the same sort of metaphorical thing, I thought of the Babadook. This is, this might be kind of a hot take considering we are film criticism people light on the internet. But I don't like The Babadook. I think that it is very well directed. I think that it is very well acted. And I think that the book is really cool, like the actual Babadook book. But like, I do not like that movie. It just did not, it did not hit for me at all. So like, I walked out of this theater. I think the first thing I texted Heidi after I saw this movie was Babadook who? (laughs) (laughs) Because I think that this movie does everything that the Babadook wants to do and then does it better. Agree. Obviously, yeah, it doesn't, agree. it's not tackling motherhood. Like, there's a whole section of the Babadook right. that's not even touching. Yeah. And I do think that the Babadook is, it definitely has some scary parts. Like, we're not talking about that movie, but like, I do, I'm not saying that that movie is garbage, 
I'm just saying that it's not really my kind of film. Whereas this was firing on all cylinders for me from start to finish. I found it scary. I found it emotionally unsettling. I found the performances really compelling. I thought the story was fascinating. It was like a mystery and it was scary and it was sad. And I was just like obsessed with it from start to finish. Like I was just completely riveted the entire time I was in the theater seeing this movie. Watching it again and knowing what happens, it made a lot more sense to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think it has an interesting kind of rewatchability. I don't find it as gripping watching it again as I did Mm -hmm. the first time, but I think that's normal with any mystery story. Yeah, I was going to say, I I watched this twice and the first time around, it really, I mean, it was so striking and poignant Mm -hmm. the first time around. It really hit. And then the second time, it was interesting to watch it again, just to see like, oh, you know, here's what I missed when I didn't know what the, Mm -hmm. you know, what was going on. But I think this is probably not one that I would keep going back to. It's it's more like one that I would be like, this was a really good film. I really enjoyed it. And I'll leave it at that. Like, I don't need to rewatch it all the time. Yeah. I definitely think that I'm not going to be pulling out this movie to watch in my free time, but Mm -hmm. it is definitely something that I'll be pulling out around people who haven't seen it before, because I think that it is just so compelling. Yeah, I don't know. I think that question about whether or not it's a ghost story is really interesting. And I honestly don't know what I would say, because I think while I was watching it, I thought of it as a ghost story because of the interactions that she's having with this kind of supernatural force Mm -hmm. or entity. So in that way, I think of it as a ghost story. But in the overall reading of it, I don't think of it as a ghost story. So I think that's why I was initially hesitant to take a side, because it seems like almost kind of both to me. Mm -hmm. I think your classic ghost stories, like House on Haunted Hill, or like even The Innocence, the ghosts aren't ever just ghosts. They are more like metaphorical or like symbolic of something. Yeah. I definitely think that this definitely plays with the ghost story tropes for sure. Like I'm not, I'm definitely not going to say that it's not doing that. I just think that the way it does it is notably different. Part of that is because of the nature of the thing that she's like kind of dealing with. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because the story is so incredibly entrenched in grief in a way that makes it, I think, sort of look at the idea of ghosts a little differently. Mm-hmm. Like, even when you're looking at ghost yeah. stories where it's like a person has died and they're like trying to get into contact with that person. What's a good example of that? The only movie I can think of that does that is Personal Shopper, but I know neither of you have seen that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess Hereditary kind of does that too. Hereditary. I was also thinking that Guillermo del Toro movie that we watched. The kiddo one. The, uh, yeah, yeah, the one with the... The Devil's Backbone. Yeah, the yeah. one yeah, the Devil's Backbone, the one with the bomb. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, no, that totally works too. But, like, those kinds of stories are generally much more, like, based in... I'm trying... Uh, how, how should I say this? I feel, like, I feel like those are generally, like, kind of different because they still lean really heavily on a traditional sort of, like, haunted house structure. And that's here, but it's so enmeshed in, like, not only the metaphor that the movie is dealing with, but also this idea that it's like the mystery. The mystery aspect of it is so much stronger here that it feels like a different sort of entity in itself. Like the movie, you know what I mean? And it's weird because I'm thinking, could we say this is kind of like a modern gothic horror story? I... 
definitely think that you could. I I would agree with that. Yeah, I definitely think that you could. Because we definitely have, you know, the it's like kind of a haunted house, but not really. Mm-hmm. It's more like she is the, like she is an individual who is haunted, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of tied to the house. Mm-hmm. It's I yeah. mean, it's very directly and intentionally tied to the house. Yeah. yeah. When I was um, when I was doing a little bit of research on this movie before our recording, I saw a bunch of articles about like the production design and like the set design of the house, like the titular night house mm-hmm. <laughs> and like how they spent so much time like creating this home that could be duplicated and then like mm-hmm. putting a bunch of thought into like the structure of the rooms, mm-hmm. creating those like set pieces where you can see the nothing in the shapes and stuff like mm-hmm. they they did yeah. all of that by hand incredible that like gigantic hallway that happens near the end of the movie mm-hmm. if you yeah. when you pull out of it it's like the shape of his face so right cool. like genuinely like it's insane how much detail went into the production of this film and it pays mm-hmm. off so well like it is so unsettling <laughs> because of how precisely crafted all of this is mm-hmm. yeah and the house is such an integral part of the story it's almost like its own character so that was what mm-hmm. initially made me think of gothic yeah. horror they do take so much care to especially at the very beginning when they're showing you all the different aspects of the house different rooms different items that are on counters and things like that mm-hmm. the narrative is very much tied to different rooms of the house as we'll mm-hmm. get into so i think that makes sense to me yeah. And one like really interesting piece that I read too was that they wanted to make sure that there was like a lot of windows around the house so that like the outside world and like the nature were always also in the interior shots. Mm-hmm. And to help like add to like the isolation and like the heaviness. Mm-hmm. But they also made sure like they, they painted all the walls like that dark color to like mimic the water. Hmm. And I was oh. like, oh, it works so well because it like really does tie it to the outside. Yeah. And it also really does give you that atmosphere of just like heaviness and darkness, which is fully everything that she's going through, even before he kills himself is what it sounds like. But so good. <laughs> so cool. In general, I don't think art department gets enough credit because Real. I definitely mm-hmm. one of the things that I took away from this movie was just like how stunned I was about the way that they crafted the set to Mm -hmm. do the things that I need to do Mm -hmm. I think like most of my notes that I took like especially in the last like half hour or so were just like oh my gosh that's so cool (laughs) this is amazing yeah well in all of the effects of like her interacting with it Mm -hmm. are all practical like she's just doing that and then like they added some stuff later to make it seem like somebody's touching her but like she was just doing all of that alone like the the skill that it takes to be able to pull yeah. that off and do it so effectively insanity and the other thing that i really wanted to just like call out before we even get into the plot summary is like the fucking editing in this movie like genuinely it's so fluid but mm-hmm. like sharp at the same time and like i love those scenes where she's coming in and out of the dream states mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. she enters a room sees herself sleeping and then wakes up and sees the door open like yeah, I thought that yeah. was really cool. Literally so cool. <laughs> and like so just like well-timed, perfectly mm-hmm. executed. Like, oh my God, it's so, 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 so good. I will say that I don't think this about things very often. But as soon as this movie ended, I was like, I would really love to see what the first draft of this looked like. Interesting. Because it just like goes in such a different direction than I expected it to. 
Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I didn't really know what to expect from this. Like, I don't even remember seeing previews for it. I just remember, I think you being like, oh, I'm curious about this. I was like, what's it about? And I was like, I want to see it. But I like didn't know anything. And so as it ended, I was like, I wonder if this was always the intention. No, fully. Like, I remember even after I saw it, because I was talking to a couple of people about it after I saw it. Mm-hmm. And I was like... I'm gonna be real with you. I'm not gonna tell you anything about this movie because yep. I think it'll be I think it'll be a better experience for you if you don't see anything about it. That's correct. Because it becomes like three or four different movies over the course of its runtime. Mm-hmm. And all of them are good. <laughs> yeah. I just I'm like, I'm so curious if like they had the idea of nothing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like I mm-hmm. guess like I, I was just like so intrigued about mm-hmm. how they got to where they got and if that was always the goal. I mean, the the nothingness is, like, so intrinsically tied to the theme of it yeah. that, like, it kind of feels like it would be a wild version of this movie to see it without that in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, who even knows? I don't know. I don't usually think that about movies, but I was like, I'm so curious. Yeah. I also had a very <laughs> unique experience with this movie and that I actually, not to toot my own horn, I'm not trying to do that, but I actually, <laughs> I texted Natalie afterwards and I was like, I, like, predicted what was going to happen at the end. Wild. And that never happens to me. Like, I can't even remember the last time I predicted something correctly. What part of it? The the twist at the end. Just the fact that it was a nothing after her? Is that what you predicted? No, I predicted what her husband was doing. Oh, okay, that's fair. That mm. yeah. yeah. That's solid. Because, like, uh, me and my criminal minds knowledge, I was like, oh, they all look like her. <laughs> Yeah, I think that the clues were laid out super well. They really so, were. So, like, I was able to really pick up on and follow them. And I was like, well, maybe, I don't know. Like I said, I can never do that. I'm usually, you know, so caught up in the story that I'm not even trying mm-hmm. to predict. And I really wasn't trying to predict this. It just kind yeah. of happened. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, I actually did this. But yeah. that's good storytelling. That it means is. they did yeah. a good job. Yeah, like, the the very first thing that got me, and we'll get into this in the summary, so I'll just say the first thing. Okay. Is when she's looking at one of the books that he owns, and in the margins she sees that he's written, "Trick it, don't listen to it." Yeah, um, and I was like, "Oh, well, you know, I need to remember that." And then from that clue, everything unfolded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was wild for me rewatching it was because I hadn't seen it since I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. The scene near the end where she's fighting it, and mm-hmm. she is like sort of. It's having her sort of like mimic the body movements yeah. of the women that he killed, like Suspiria style. Mm-hmm. So good. I was like, wow, this takes on a whole entirely different new meaning when you're watching it, mm-hmm. knowing what the end is. Yeah. Because the first time I saw it, I like, I had like a hunch that it could be something like that, but I was still like, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you know how much I love a good reveal. So like that moment yeah. where it was like, I'm not Owen. I like almost got up out of my seat. It went, oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was just like, ah, y'all, he's not Owen. I was like, y'all, he's not Owen. So good. <laughs> uh, and we'll get into how much I love that scene in particular later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, if you haven't seen this film we're probably going to end up, I mean, we've already kind of spoiled parts of it. Oh, so, so like, much. we're not going to be able to wait until the end to talk about the twist. Yeah, watch the movie. <laughs> I specifically chose this movie just to jump into why I chose the movie. I specifically chose this movie <laughs> because this was one of my top three favorite movies released last year. I loved this film. 
I chose this movie because I wanted more people to hear about it and I wanted more people to see it because like I think that it is so good. It's definitely one of those movies that really resonated with me personally. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like a I am sharing something that meant a lot to me to, with everybody else, but also just like mm-hmm. it is so fucking good. And it's so good. I had only seen Rebecca Hall, I think, in one other movie before I saw this movie. And I am now a certified Rebecca Hall stan. I'm Googling her right now just to make sure that it's the only thing I've seen her in. Because I saw her in Christine from 2016. Okay, she's also in The Town. I've seen The Town, but I don't remember what she's in. She's also in The Prestige. I don't remember what she is in that either. (laughs) Christine is also a very good film. It's about a news correspondent who kills herself on air. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, that fits with this vibe. Yeah, she... I I saw... I read like an interview with her... (laughs) for i think it was like vogue or something about this movie and uh the interviewer was like so are you gonna do like a comedy next or (laughs) she was like i would love to do a comedy next (laughs) people have layers yeah she was like i just keep getting drawn to these really really dark and interesting things and i'm like you know what good for you because like this movie fucking rules (laughs) Mm -hmm. she's in this other good spooky movie called the awakening Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's about a teacher who's at, like, this boarding school. Mm-hmm. And it's very good. I think about making us watch it often. <laughs> I've never seen it, but every single time I see the poster for it, it makes me think of the others. I don't really know why. That's not a that's not an invalid uh, comparison. God, I love Rebecca Hall. She also directed the movie Passing that came out last year that was also very, very good. Ugh. Rebecca Hall is just like she's it she's the future so keep an eye on her (laughs) (laughs) I don't really have any production history for this this time it's a really recent movie it premiered at Sundance Um, it's directed by David Bruckner who also did The Ritual which is not a movie that I have seen but sounds like something Heidi would have seen have you seen it yeah I have it's on Netflix there we go I I recall it actually pleasantly surprising me good I've heard it's really good I just haven't watched it it seems really slow but, like, so did this movie, and I loved it. It's so White people in the woods. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's actually, it's a little slow, but I think it's worth it at the end. We should okay. watch it. Well, okay. it. It's fun. I, yeah, because, like, now that I love this movie so much, it's been on my watch list because I really want to give it a shot because I really enjoyed this, as, as I'm sure I've said a million times at this point. This is definitely better. Yeah. The only other things that I had to say were like those cool little production facts that I read because I thought those were so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I, I I'm just really excited that we're talking about this movie. I cannot wait to get into it. I think now is a great time to start the summary. Beth's husband of nearly 14 years, Owen, has recently died. The night of his funeral, Beth spends her time twirling a note in her hands, drinking and watching old home movies of their wedding in their beautiful lakeside home. I love this opening scene where she gets the little casserole from the woman and then walks in and is just like sad against the counter and then just dumps it into the trash can. I was like, literally, what a fucking way to open this film. Like, tonally, we know so much about Beth. We know so much about her situation. (sighs) I just want to say sad against the counter sounds like the name of a painting. Oh my God. Sad against the counter 2021 oil on canvas. Sad against the counter is my gender. (laughs) (laughs) This kind of home was like my dream home for a while. It reminds me of that one in the uninvited. 
Ooh. And I stay in that house. It does remind me of that. Yeah. I will say it has too many windows for me. Oh, Nick would say the same thing, but I love it. Did you guys see the movie Glass House? No. Okay. It's really bad. Oh. I'm sorry. Just about it's about a house that's like basically all windows. Oh goodness. And like this girl gets like terrorized. Yeah. Oh. Hope there's a, a private shout bathroom. out to people who know about the glass house and how bad it is. <laughs> but yeah, too many opportunities for people to be looking in, especially in a secluded area where there aren't supposed to be people, but you know there are people. Yeah. I like I I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but my favorite slash my most scary kind of scary movie are like home invasion movies or movies where like you are being watched and you don't know that you're being watched Mm -hmm. like don't look at me this movie fulfills that very very well Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah which is why it gives me invisible man vibes because that was also something that really freaked me out about invisible man so good i walked into invisible man thinking that it was going to be like sad kind of because i saw the trailer like not that bad and i was like fucking nervous the entire time (laughs) i because i was like where is he (laughs) (laughs) she did she was like she was like this is gonna freak you out and i was like okay yeah i was like this movie is really good (laughs) okay oh we also get the introduction of that oh my god i love that song Go ahead. That was one of my first notes was that I loved that song. The, fir- the first time I played and I was like, wow, she's listening to Heidi's vibe. <laughs> Quite specifically. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a bop through the whole through the whole movie. I was like, excellent. I love this. Our first motif. Yeah. <laughs> Sudden knocks on the door wake Beth up in the middle of the night. She goes to investigate, but either fortunately or unfortunately, there's no one there. Even after looking through all of the windows and other entrances and exits, Beth can't find anyone and she is utterly alone. Or is she? She accidentally leaves one of the doors partially ajar and as it swings open further, we see the shadow of a person facing her. Ooh. Beth doesn't seem to notice, or maybe she does, I'm not exactly sure, but she closes it and the shadow is gone. And then inexplicably, Beth just like jolts awake in the shared study in the morning, confused how she got there. All of these scenes are so scary. I, yeah. It's the it's the setup. They do a very, very good job of creating the like negative space and like having you expect something is gonna be there and then not having you expect something mm-hmm. is gonna be there. That's just horror movie conditioning. I know, but like all of it, <laughs> there's no there's no jump scares, there's mm-hmm, no crazy yeah. sound cues. It's just like you see it or you don't. And it Correct. is very unsettling. I think there is one jump scare later in the film because yeah. I remember it got me. There's a couple. Yeah. I mean, it's not uh, jump scares are like a, a part of the genre. Right. But yeah. like, there's not like a ton. Like, it's not like every time you see the thing, there's a jump scare. No. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, whew. there's one that got me both times that I watched it and I knew and I braced myself and I still jumped and I was mad <laughs> about it. <laughs> Otherwise unbothered by the prior evening's events, Beth leaves for work. As she's about to get into her car, she's distracted by the wooden gate to the stairs that lead down to the boat dock, like gently hitting the rest of the fence in the breeze. After closing it, she notices that there are these weird, muddy footprints that are coming out of the water and climbing up the stairs. She stares at the small boat, quite ominously, and then hears a gunshot. 
It unsettles her, but she gathers herself and finally leaves for work. Honestly, scary footprints. I'm sick. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. It's weird. I think that this film does do a good job of kind of intimating what happened before we even yeah. know what happened, which I think makes the ultimate, like when she actually announces what yeah. her did later, makes it even more prescient because you're like, Absolutely. I knew it. But like, you were like, oh, I don't know. But then like, you knew yeah. it. I feel like it's the way that she explains it is just like, Ooh. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite scenes. We'll get there. No, fully. That scene that scene happened and I was like, yeah, I fully love this movie. And mm-hmm. we're not even it's like yeah. not even 20 minutes in. I was like <laughs> Beth arrives at a faculty meeting where the principal is discussing standardized testing scores with Beth's fellow teachers. She arrives late and people seem shocked to see her there, especially her best friend Claire, who I love, but yes. she has grades to enter and wanted to get out of the house. In her office, Beth dozes off while looking for houses to buy and wakes up when a parent enters and Beth realizes her screen is now showing that she was looking at handguns. Alarming. Yeah. What? Yeah. Honestly, I, you know what? I saw that the first time and then yeah. the second time I watched it, I totally forgot about it. So I was even yeah. like more surprised the second time. I was like, what the yeah. shit? <laughs> Did I not yeah. see that last time? It's really, really wild. I, I yeah. it's it's another thing where like the editing is also like really, really mm-hmm. good and like very good at like stitching two scenes together in a mm-hmm. way that feels seamless. Yeah. That was also a really good example, at least to me, of creating horror in an unconventional way. Like just yeah. like on its on the face of it, like it's not a particularly scary thing, but like knowing that that kind of signals something's going on with her that is not right yeah. is like mm-hmm. oh shit like it's a different kind of horror mm-hmm. almost and also her reaction to it of like oh my god how did this happen mm-hmm. is also scary in and of itself and mm-hmm. it's also foreshadowing what she's about to say happened with owen yeah yeah so the parent that walks in is like one of those moms who is like super about her kids grades and she's like why did my son get a c in speech and Beth is like, he didn't do the final project. And his mom is like, he brought it in, but you weren't there. And she's like, I was out for personal reasons. And he's like, <sighs> and so she says, her husband shot himself in the head, in their boat, on the lake with a handgun that she didn't even know that they owned. And the mom's like, what? When the mom was just like, yeah, we all have to deal with personal matters. This I felt this scene so hard as a person who works in customer service. <laughs> My favorite is when she's like, oh, you wanted an A. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Literally, can you name an actress who's doing more? Like, could you mm-hmm. could you yeah. name someone who is serving up anything more than this scene? Excellent. But, like, the way that Beth delivers, like, the information yeah. about her husband, it's, like, so good. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's so shocking and how forthcoming she is because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like it's breaking the social cue like yeah. or the social norm. You wouldn't mm-hmm. just tell that to a stranger. But that just shows how little, how little of a fuck she gives mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, whatever this woman is saying. Yeah. And it's also like very indicative of the way Beth handles everything. Also, mm-hmm. she's very forthright. Yeah. And she, I think that's one of the reasons why she's so stunned about, of course. When she starts uncovering the things that happened with Owen. 
because she's like, wow, there's this whole part of him that I just do not know because she's a very open person in terms of like the way that she's communicating with the people close to her at least. Yeah. Which is just like so much. This scene so eloquently establishes like her just like snapping, breaking, Mm -hmm. like falling apart and just giving us insight into how far gone she is in the moment. Mm Mm-hmm. It definitely feels like she's letting, like, that anger about what he did come out. And, like, the frustration of, like, I don't understand why this happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's just, like, taking it out on this lady. Yeah. Who's being really mean. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I have three hunters. You're going to have to specify which hunter you're talking about. <laughs> do you do you think that she actually has three hunters? Or do you think that she just said that because she couldn't remember who the kid was? Oh, I definitely think she lied. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. I, I think that she just didn't know who the kid was. Which, like, fucking valid. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, your kid's not that special. It's like, girl, you it's high school speech. They all look the same. Like, <laughs> And I love how the mom is like, oh, how many do you have? Like, she doesn't believe her. And I was like, girl, stop. <laughs> like, <sighs> awkward. Yeah. Later that night. Beth gathers up anything that looks like it's Owen's and removes it from her sight. While she's cleaning out some books, she finds the sketchbook that she gifted him. As she thumbs through it, Beth stumbles upon the early drawings of the lake house that he built for them. But as she continues to look through, she finds strange sketches and cryptic notes about confusing patterns and trick it, don't listen to it, along with mazes and what looks like a mirror double of their house built entirely in reverse and a word written along the top. Care Wild. I loved this. As I mentioned earlier, this was the first thing I picked up on. Like when I as soon as yeah. I saw Trick It, don't listen to it, I was like, okay, I, I need to remember this because yeah, exactly. this is gonna come back for sure. So weird. The first time I watched this, I was just like, what the what is that even what does all of that mean? Yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was just like, on. what is he tricking? I'm What's so going on? <laughs> it is like legitimately so out of left field. Like I get how she was so confused and, like, drawn into that because Mm -hmm. this is not where I thought this movie was going. Well, I mean, for a while I was like, oh, so was he just crazy? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, so he was, like, really crazy. And then you're like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Like, honestly, I think I I was telling Heidi this. Like, I would have... I would have thoroughly still enjoyed this movie if it was just about a woman grieving over her husband who found out he was a serial killer. Yeah. Would yeah. have been a crazy movie. Would have been an interesting movie. But, like, this is so much better than that still. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking it's a doppelgangers. Like, I think I wrote that down. I was like, it's oh. a doppelgangers. And, because, you know, like, doppelgangers are not actually supposed to be, like, good things. They're, like, your evil doubles that want to kill you. Yeah, like the movie The Double. Yeah, I think I full-on knew at this point that he was... There was something that was making... No, I, I shouldn't say I knew. I suspected had a hunch. At, I suspected at this point in time that he had an urge to kill her for some reason. Something or someone was telling him to kill her and he was trying to... Fascinating. ...fight that urge. I didn't oh, think that. I, I fully didn't think that. I don't know. Again, like, this is the only time this has ever happened to me in recent memory, so... <laughs> you're like, you're like, I was like never what happened the shit? Before. I was like, this obviously isn't gonna be what happens, but what if? <laughs> I, like, based on based on the trick it, don't listen to it, I was like, okay, there's some kind of being. But I, or, or I thought maybe he was, like, kidnapping people and they were gonna be in the basement, like, prisoners. 
like the movie prisoners but like i i don't know i was like what like i remember seeing them being like oh i'm very interested now <laughs> mm-hmm. we love a good spooky well, also in all the like reverse stuff yeah like the 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 architectural plans that he had it's wild like this guy yeah this guy's either going crazy or he's got a well thought out plan yeah. yeah. I assumed the second one because that was too well thought out to just be crazy. Right. Alright. In the middle of the night, this cool folk song, the really good one through the whole movie, starts to play from the wedding video by itself on the stereo. Beth's phone then chimes with a text from her dead husband to come downstairs. And of course she's like, who's texting me? But the only thing that the person says back is, don't be afraid. Which would make me more afraid personally at this point in time i would be out of the house no yeah. way i'm staying another night in that house i would be Dude, out of hotel if my dead husband texted me <laughs> i would throw my phone in a fire <laughs> well that's not, that's not an entirely uncommon phenomena though what yeah are you shitting me right now no like i'm not necessarily texting but like weird phone calls Okay, That's not up. entirely unheard of. What Heidi is saying what is that hell? sometimes after people die, people steal dead people's cell phones. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, we might no. have to take a slight detour here. No, that's like a like a paranormal phenomena. Is like getting phone calls from dead people. That's the plot of the ring. No, <laughs> no, it's different what people report them saying. Like people are just like, I got this weird phone call, and like. Uh, it was from my dead relative. That's the plot of what But how do called. they know? Because it sounds like them. What the hell? That's wild. I'm here with your good spooky knowledge. If I got a text from my dead husband, yeah, I would screenshot it. Yeah. And then check to see if the screenshot has the message in it. And then I would send that to someone else for confirmation. To like the police. <laughs> I would just run out the door. <laughs> I, it would freak me out, but I wouldn't leave. I would want to go outside. I for sure would leave. It's the wilderness. There's You're so right. many windows that you wouldn't even have to leave. You I would call someone it. to come pick me up. Be like, yo, some spooky shit's going on. <laughs> yeah. like I honestly, want out. Good for her for like having to stay there by herself and like doing that. I would be like, what if I stayed with someone else? Like, <laughs> Valid. All valid. Uh. Beth tries to call the number, and it's hard to understand at first, but she does end up hearing the voice that seems to sound like her husband's, and it's like, look out the window. <laughs> Alarming. When she does, she sees Owen, naked, standing on top of the water, and he just, like, looks over his shoulder at her, and it's really weird. This is all so wild. Like, is he supposed yeah. to be Jesus? No. <laughs> Literally the way that that scene starts with that like really loud like blast of music yeah. like automatically unsettles you and there's like no real time between that and the texts. And then yeah. she's so freaked out by the text. I love that after she gets that second te she gets that text then she gets the second text and then she immediately calls the number. Yeah. And it's like literally it's one one mm -hmm. one like it just keeps going to the point where and then like the music gets louder I think and then you see like him out there on the water and it's like what the fuck is happening and he's naked but he's like the scariest part is that he's standing on top of the water it's weird the scariest part is that he's dead <laughs> well 
Yeah, okay, that's valid. <laughs> You're right. The creepiest part of that, for me, is you hear someone say, yeah, I think you mentioned this, you hear someone say, look out the window. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, who the fuck is this? And the way that, that they've kind of distorted the voice makes it mm-hmm, very, yeah. very creepy. And yeah. it's not even when she's on the phone, it's after that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, scary. It is all a lot. <laughs> yeah. Disembodied so. voices do spook me. Yeah. I can mm-hmm. confirm. And she just does exactly what it says. Cause like. I mean, she thinks it's her. She, she thinks it's well, her. She also was skeptical of an afterlife. So like she, well, you know, yeah. doesn't really believe in ghosts. Yeah. So she's probably just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Am I dreaming? Mm-hmm. The pacing of this is all just so good. Yeah. Yeah. So. After he turns to look at her, Beth, like, suddenly wakes up on the floor of the bathroom where she has seemingly locked herself in. Weird. I know. Sorry, just smiled. She checks her phone, but there is no record of the text messages she received from Owen. Also weird. But it gets weirder. Even after she digs around through his belongings that he had in the boat when he killed himself, like the clothes, the handgun, etc., his phone also has no record of the text. It does, though have a creepy stalker photo of another woman at a bookstore who looks like her, but is not her. The progression of Beth slowly realizing that that isn't her and then hyper fixating on it. Yeah. Is so so realistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so fascinating. I, I I think that this is next is the scene with her and Claire next. Yes. Yes. Okay. I love that scene. I just a side note. One of my favorite things about this movie is the relationship between her and Claire. Because I think yes. in a lesser movie, this would not be this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The time that I cried while watching this movie was at the end when oh, yeah. I realized that her friend was coming to get her. Mm-hmm. And then, like, hearing her friend, like, scream for her and, like, mm-hmm. him being, like, the, the nothing being, like, it doesn't matter, don't listen to it. And then like, I was like, no, like, she is trying to help you. Mm-hmm. I'm getting, like, te- I'm, like, tearing up right now. Like, mm-hmm. I was just, like, oh. so, I was, like, so hit hard by that because i was like oh my god the power of friendship yeah hell yeah someone who cares just one person yeah like genuinely like in a lesser movie this would not be this would not be a thing that's valid so i love every single scene that they have together i think is so well written and so well acted and just so Mm -hmm. believable as like like as a person who has been in like both of these kind of positions like the person who is dealing with shit and the person who is helping someone deal with shit you can only do so much. Yeah. And like Claire is trying to do as much as she can. And Beth is trying to like be receptive of that and like being as open yeah. as she can. But it's just like hard. Mm-hmm. Also, Claire seems to be very aware of like where the lines are and what the mm-hmm. boundaries are when she's crossed a line and is very yeah. good at mm-hmm. saying like, oh, shit, like I crossed that line. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, you know, having to think that she has to behave perfectly all the time around Beth and yeah. know every like all the right things to say. She says what she feels and what she thinks will help, but also, you know, is is apologetic when she feels like she said something wrong or said too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in a lot of media about mental illness, but specifically in horror movies that deal with mental illness, we don't really get to see this kind of relationship very often at all. Like, we don't get to see a person who is struggling, who has someone there to help them mm-hmm. and has someone there to mm-hmm. help them in like a healthy way. Yeah. It's always like this person is completely isolated. They're completely on their own or like they're not being believed by the people around them or Mm -hmm. 
any other sort of situation along those lines. Like if you look at movies like Hereditary, you look at movies like Unsane or even The Babadook, really. Mm -hmm. Movies where we're talking about things like grief and depression. Oh, another movie that this really this makes really makes me think of is that one that came out in 2020 about the three generations of women. It's an Australian movie. Relic. Relic is so Relic. good. Yeah, it also reminded me of Relic. That's another movie where it's like the relationship is strained. Mm-hmm. And that's like part of the reasoning behind that movie. And it's like building the relationships back together is like mm-hmm. the point of the movie. But like there's nothing healthy happening. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really refreshing in a lot of ways to see a film that is so steeped in the, like a metaphor surrounding mental illness and depression mm-hmm. and like the damage that that could cause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But seeing something positive at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So good. Sorry, that was a full derailing. No, but I, just I, really li- I really good. like Claire and Beth's relationship. <laughs> it's very It's fabulous. Good. Yeah. That night. After Claire tries to dissuade Beth from looking further into the photo and anything else she has uncovered. Which is excellent advice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Correct. She and the rest of the faculty go out drinking. Great idea. There, Beth asks the table, which is made of Claire, a male teacher, and this other lady teacher, if they believe in ghosts. Everyone but Claire says no, but it's very clear that she is doing it just to be kind. Beth explains that she feels like there is a presence in her house. The dude is like, it's sleep paralysis, but clearly it's not, and he doesn't understand anything. But the other well, lady... Doesn't he, doesn't he say that it's like, it makes sense that you would think that because you guys spent so much time together, or did somebody else say that? Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah, like, give him a little bit of credit. <laughs> I just heard he said it was sleep paralysis, and I was like, really? <laughs> he did say something like, it's understandable, you spent so much time with that one person yeah. that you're going to think they're still there. Mm-hmm. But that's not sleep paralysis. It's I not. Mean, yeah, no. it was, that was after he finished deciding that it was not sleep paralysis. Yeah. yeah. I just really hated that he said that. <laughs> <laughs> the other lady teacher is like, maybe it was sleepwalking when Beth asks what it is when your body is awake, but your mind is not. Which is fair. Mm-hmm. And through the course of the conversation, the guy teacher, who I really don't like, is like, did you, did you really not know anything was going on? Dude. Yeah, he's, like, here for the tea, and it's like, dude, her husband died. Yeah. Could we, like, I don't even, I don't even know. I'm just like, yeah. this is, it's really uncomfortable. I can tell, like, you can tell that Beth is kind of, like, okay with it in a, a way, but yeah. also, like, she's visibly not well. So, like, talking yeah. to her about this isn't really gonna help. And also Claire's way. like, yo, guys, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Beth is in such such shambles right now that she kind of needs that aggressive outlet. So she's, like, making really off-color jokes <laughs> and yeah. kind of goading the others around her into, like, so she can, like, freak them out. But yeah. still, it's like, guys, come on, read the room. Like, <laughs> Correct. Beth says that she's the one that has been struggling with depression and anxiety, and she feels like she must have passed it off to Owen. And then after being questioned about the whole thing, Beth pulls Owen's note out of her purse and reads it to them. And it says, you were right. There is nothing. Nothing is after you. You're safe now. Which is a weird note. Gotta be real. First time I saw that, I was like, what the fuck does that mean? That was another clue for me. (laughs) 
I mean, no, it fully, it fully yeah. is. Yeah. And, like watching it back, you're like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> I should have read it the way that she read it. Nothing is after you. Yeah. The you're safe now is the is the one thing I like. Yeah. Like whoop, like silence. <laughs> <laughs> I like literally reading that note. I kind of thought, okay, he obviously must be like, going through something and thinks mm-hmm. he's a danger to her. That's mm-hmm. how I took it. And like that's not wrong, but it's it's not even it's, it's not the tip close. of the iceberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I fully was like, ooh, something. There's a spooky. Yes, there is a spooky. There's well, a spooky. Of course, there is. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to point out is the specific line where she says, "Well, she's wondering if she like kind of infected him with dark thoughts." Yeah. And she mm-hmm. says, I'm the one who struggled with that stuff. Depression, dark thoughts. Mm-hmm. He's the one that kept them at bay. And yeah. to me, that was like, again, another siren. Like, remember this, because this is going to tie into the theme of the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge couple of lines for me. It's a big scene. Claire, after that, is like, it's time to go home. And so she takes Beth home and, like, makes sure she's safe. And it's like the best friend ever. Yeah. <laughs> And Beth explains that she lied about the note. Not that it was left by her husband, but she lied that she didn't know what it meant. To one of the the sadder scenes of this movie. Yeah. But also thematic. Yeah. (laughs) So thematic, but like, oh my god, I was like this poor woman. Yeah. Yeah. She explains that when she was 17, she died due to an accident while a friend was drunk driving. She was dead for four minutes and remembers that there was nothing. She she describes it as like, there was no light at the end of a tunnel. There was just tunnel, which is scary. But also kind of beautifully written. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And Claire asks what she is safe from now. Like Owen writes at the end and Beth's like, I don't know. And she ends up falling asleep with her head in Claire's lap but is woken up by the stereo blasting static. I like the part of that scene, or I like that scene in general, because she talks about how that was like the one thing that she and Owen differed on is their thoughts, was their thoughts on the afterlife and whether Mm -hmm. there was one or there wasn't one. So she was like, you know, we agreed on most things, but he was very staunchly supportive of the idea that there was something after death. Yeah. And she was very much not in that camp. My favorite line that she says in that scene is, he almost had me convinced, but you can't unknow what you've experienced. Yeah. I was like, Exactly, yeah. Yeah, really wild. A voice, the same from the phone, and presumably Owens, tells Beth to go to the door. Scary. Yeah. As she looks around the property with a flashlight, this is the part that gets me every time. Mm Mm-hmm, me too. She is startled by three women running scared towards the cliff overlooking the water where they just like (sighs) walk over the edge, presumably to their death. Wild. They appear out of thin air. Like there is nothing there. And then there is an image of a woman there. It's not even like she runs up. She just appears. It is wild. And then watching those women just fall. Yeah. Yeah. And they're in various states of undress. Oh yeah. No, it's It's really really fucked up. You're like, what the fuck? This is definitely when I was like, okay, Something was happening. <laughs> <laughs> Something spooky. This is one of the sequences that made me be like, I wonder what this was like in the first draft of the film. Yeah. Like, like how, if there were more scenes like this, 
because it's so like singular and it's so out of nowhere and then just almost doesn't come up again for a long time yeah yeah i guess we don't really see the women again until she goes to the house but that's soon right yeah it is yeah she gets in the boat next but then it like doesn't come up again for like a while after this scene right yeah yeah that's her it's enough to be like there's a spooky there's really a spooky you don't really see anything again until she's in the bathroom yeah which is like the very end yeah not the like you don't see the women in distress again until the very end yeah because you learn about kind you kind of learn about what happens when she goes to the bookstore and meets that girl yeah but yeah no this the the women stuff is scary it's just like it's just so disorienting yeah which makes sense considering the whole maze-like nature of the movie yeah. labyrinthine but i really i really think that it just does such a good job like the editing and the like set design in general like mm-hmm. really just make you feel disoriented so often right. <laughs> yeah yeah and i guess so yeah we do get some apparitions i mean i'd consider those ghostly I apparitions would yeah when beth looks across the lake she sees a house with its lights on the voice tells her to go to the boat but when she looks back at the lake, the house is not there. The boat is covered in plastic, like it was the day that Owen killed himself. Blood spattered and his clothes are folded nicely to the side. When she turns back, there are bloody footprints coming up out of the water. The dock creaks with the weight of someone, but there is no one there. She asks for a sign of Owen's presence and looks down to see the footprints lead up closer to her. She feels something reach out to touch her face. And when she reaches out back, something happens to her. It's like she's knocked out and then, like, carried into the boat. And then it drifts out onto the lake under an eerie red-lit moon. This was a weird scene. It was very, very weird. First of all, I still don't know what the the red moon is. So maybe either or both, both of you can tell me. I took it. So this is also, like... I'm not 100% sure this is real. This is what I was thinking the first mm-hmm. time I was watching it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this is legitimate. <laughs> yeah. I felt like all of the stuff that was happening in the second house felt to me like it was happening in some sort of like altered flipped universe. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I thought the second moon was just like indicative of that. Like every mm-hmm. night the nothing sort of like takes over. Yeah. And I think so this is like the flipped version of it like the upside yeah. down but not really the upside down you know what i mean yeah that was the vibe i got the adjacent well. the reflected i think that that what i just explained is the crux of why i just never really considered any of these things actually ghosts mm-hmm. <laughs> like fair. i like i knew the women were objectively dead but i felt all of it was just like a hallucination like yeah. an imprint mm-hmm. of a memory yeah yeah instead of it really being like a quote-unquote ghost that's fair yeah. I mean, in that case, it could be a residual haunting. I fully, like, I completely understand why you would call it a ghost thing. And, like, I get that. I sh- it's just not how I read it at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I get yeah. that. But, like, I, I just took all of it, especially that shot with the two moons next to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I it was like, oh. Spooky red moon season. They're also doing a weird spooky red moon thing on Critical Role. That's for you, Shelby. <laughs> The boat finally makes landfall across the lake and she sees a house that looks identical to her own. As Beth investigates, she hears the voice say that this is a dream. She then sees a woman in the window 
and then several different women in different windows that look like her, but not at the same time. In one window, Owen walks up behind one and tries to strangle her, but is stopped. And as Beth tries to enter the house, it is suddenly daylight when she opens the door, and she sees herself sleeping on the couch in her own home, and then her real self bolts up to see the door open. Fucking wild. So good. (laughs) I'm still not over it. I think about that scene, and my blood pressure rises in a good way. (laughs) It's so trippy. Oh, it's wild. I can't even. Oh, it's so good. All the dream sequences are so good. Beth busts open Owen's laptop and goes searching for the picture of the woman at the library. As she digs around, she finds other photos of this woman and then also photos of other women who do all kind of look like her to varying degrees on his phone. Then she goes for this walk across the lake and she's trying to find the house again, but she runs into Mel, her neighbor, and his dog. She explains that she's looking for a house, but he gently reminds her that you can't build houses on this side of the lake since it's county forest land. He tries to get her to take a walk with him, and he's concerned for her well-being and invites her to lunch, but she tries to postpone, wanting desperately to find this place and prove she's not crazy. I think this is yet another example of a person who is just doing good. He's just a good guy. He is a good guy. Mm -hmm. Like, he fucks up a little bit. Yeah. Like, in an understandable way. Yeah. I didn't talk about this scene, but I love when he earlier in the movie is like, let me just, like, haul that boat away for you so that you don't have to think about it anymore. Like, this would be better mm -hmm. for you to get rid of it. Yeah, and him being like, you and Owen were such a huge help to me when, like, my wife died. Mm -hmm. Like, I was so touched by this old man, too. Yeah, there's, like, solidarity. I'm, like, out here being, like, people are being nice to each other and it's making me, like, emotional. Yeah, (laughs) I know. It's another good instance of, like, he is the now second person after Claire who's kind of been, like, and he said he mentions this more later, but like, mm-hmm. let what happened be and going around searching for all of these things, digging into his past is not really the Healthy. best way to heal. And so it's just another instance of someone being like, hey, maybe you should take a step back. Like, I know mm-hmm. you want to investigate. I know you want to know the truth, but that might not be good for you. What I like about this, too, and what sets it apart, I think, from other films with a similar premise is that usually when people are being like, hey, you need to stop doing this, like, it's Mm -hmm. framed as a more antagonistic thing. Like, Mm -hmm. they're, like, trying to prevent them from finding something out. Yeah. Or they're, like, saying, hey, you're being crazy, or, like, hey, you're hurting yourself. It's always framed as more like a, this person is preventing them from uncovering the truth. They're obstacles, yeah. And that's not what either of them are doing. They're being supportive. They're answering questions. But they're still just, like, offering, like, hey, I'm here if you need me. Mm -hmm. Or, like, hey, like, let's go get lunch. Or, like, hey, Mm -hmm. you can stay at my place if you need to. Mm -hmm. They're not telling her she's doing anything wrong. Yeah. And I think that that, it's just, it's refreshing. Like, it's genuinely such a small thing. But Mm -hmm. it just feels so different than you see in other horror movies, especially horror movies, like I said before, that deal with mental illness. Mm -hmm. Because when you're Mm -hmm. talking about a horror movie in which a woman is dealing with mental illness, usually they're framed as they're fucking crazy. Like they're Mm -hmm. losing their mind. And here it's not really like that. It's more so like, hey, this woman is struggling. Mm -hmm. She has been through a really traumatic event. She's reached her breaking point. And the film wants to show, like, a healthy way, like, a healthy path for her to potentially start to heal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
which is so cool. And that actually ties into what I'm going to try to remember to say later when we find out what's actually going on at the end. Mm-hmm. It kind of ties into like why I think she is being led to dig further or to, to dig deeper mm-hmm. and deeper into this mystery. Mm-hmm. So we'll yeah. get to that later for sure. After walking for who knows how long, Beth finds a tree with a curious marking and then wanders further into the woods and finds a house. Though I do say that word loosely <laughs> because it's mostly a basic structure, but is very much unfinished. She goes inside to look around, but obviously it's abandoned. She does, though, find a weird statue in a weird container that is of a woman, and she's on her knees with her wrists bound behind her back, like, to her feet, like, hogtied. But there are all kinds of, like, metal bars or metal nails protruding, like, through her body. Mm. It's really weird. Very true detective season one. It's very the crone. At this point, I was like, okay, is this like some weird sex thing? Yeah, I also thought that. At this point, I was like, this is a fucking murder house. That's what I mean, this yeah, is. I was like, I was like, yeah, he's killing people. This is like a weird sex yeah. thing. He has some weird sex thing. And he's killing That's people like- <laughs> who look like her. So like, yeah. what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, I was like fully on my mind hunter bullshit at this point. <laughs> I was like, okay. So. Black stars. If I were in the BAU. <laughs> I... I love how both of you like went to like other other media and I was like, oh, this looks like a haunted statue from my favorite paranormal investigator. (laughs) Who coincidentally this morning people were posting about this movie and talking about that. And I was like, oh, my God, synchronicity. (laughs) Love. Beth goes and confronts Mel about what he knows. And Mel reveals that he had seen Owen in the forest a few times at night. One time, Owen had a woman with him, but he at first thought it was Beth. That night, Owen then later came by to see Mel, and he was drunk, covered in mud, and not doing so good. He explained that he had urges, and found a way to keep them at bay, but it is unclear what kinds of urges. But it's clearly murder. (laughs) Well, I mean, the way that that Mel frames it, he's like, he was covered in mud like he fell. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. Mel's thinking he's drunk. He was walking over here. He fell on his way over here. He's covered in mud. And he's talking about how he was cheating on his wife. Like, that's what Mel thinks. And it makes complete sense that he would think that. Because who mm-hmm. in their right mind would just assume that this man is murdering people? <laughs> but the woman's not there. Mm-hmm. That's the suspicious part. Well, well obviously he wouldn't he... break the lady there. Exactly. I was like, who's he going to take his side piece over to Mel's house while he cries about how he's <laughs> cheating on his wife? Yeah. He wouldn't. But, like, the way that Mel talks about it. He's like, I didn't want to ask what those urges were because I think he also thought that there was, like, something nefarious going on. Oh, I thought that meant, like, forgive me if I didn't ask him to explicitly say he was cheating on you. It was pretty Yeah, obvious. exactly. That's, that's oh, what I thought, too. Yeah. I thought he was like, hey. So differently. I fully thought that he was just like, hey, it's none of my business. I'm not going to ask him to make things worse. It's, like, kind of what I thought. Oh, but, my like, God. he's cheating on you. Or he I- was totally thought he was like i didn't want to hear him say that he was murdering people <laughs> mel's like i've seen some shit <laughs> i don't i don't think that mel thought that owen was killing anyone i definitely thought that well i well that's the thing right it's like it's ambiguous in that you at the same time it could mean he's cheating on her but it could also mean you know these shameful urges could be something more nefarious yeah. like you said 
So No, I... Okay, I'm sorry. I have to put my foot down on this. If Mel fully thought that Owen was murdering people and didn't say anything... Mel is a bad person. No, 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 no. I don't think that's what was going on. But I, saying, I agree. But I just want to say that for Heidi. Like, uh, look, <laughs> like, if that's what she thought, then Mel is not a good person. <laughs> look, look. And earlier I said that he was a good person and you agreed with me. <laughs> he swore on Shelly's grave. I. And I like to believe that he loved Shelly wholeheartedly. Dude, I believe he loved Shelly wholeheartedly. <laughs> I also believe that. And look, I'm not saying he's perfect. But, like, I think he might have suspected no. that Owen was killing people. I don't think that. That's fair. <laughs> it's ever to each their own. <laughs> but I definitely thought that. I'm screaming. <laughs> I thought he was basically saying, like, do I have to spell this out for you? This is what was happening. Yeah. Anyway. Owen had asked Mel not to say anything, but Mel never saw anything like it again, and they both seemed so happy, so he just never said anything. Mel offers that even though Owen had left a hole in Beth's life, she doesn't need to fill it with something dark by investigating this further. It also seems like, I'm telling you, he thinks there might have been murder. Why would you say that? I think I think that when he says something dark, he means like tainting Cheating. her memory of Owen. Well, that's also valid. I'm just. I'm but I also really... think the imagery of him saying like left a hole and then like the nothing is like a man sized hole. That's valid too. That's good. That's good stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Back at her home, Beth dumps out a box of Owen's stuff and finds a book titled Care Droya, which is the same word she had seen in the blueprints and sketches from before. One of the chapters in the book is titled Deception and Trickery, and in it she finds a drawing of the carving that she had found that is modeled after the voodoo doll that is actually in the Louvre. That's like a real thing. Really? Yes, Mm -hmm. it's a real thing. Yeah. And there are similar artifacts like it that date back to antiquity in Egypt and Greece. Wow. They were often spelled to bind offerings and were related to the Kerdroya mazes, which are Celtic labyrinths intended to confuse or weaken dark forces with simple mazes and reversed spaces that would trick a pursuing spirit into accepting what it would usually think of as a false sacrifice. Hmm. As Beth examines the book, she finds a stamp in it that indicates it was sold by a specific bookstore, Books and Melodies in Utica, New York. Can I, can I cut in? Yeah. Can I have this dance? Um, so... One last thing I wanted to note about her little conversation with Mel is that he has a line where he says something like, if you try to fill the hole with darkness, you're, quote, closer to death than you've ever been. Mm, mm-hmm. Which I also, I wrote that down because I was like, mm, that that has a double meaning kind of as mm-hmm. well. So, And she's like, Haha, that's not true. Clearly, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, Mel. Yeah. Beth accidentally knocks this voodoo doll off the desk, but it manages to somehow land upright, which is spooky, but not as spooky as hearing the footsteps walking around above her. Frustrated and maybe emboldened by the brandy that she's drinking, she looks around but doesn't find anyone in Owen's workshop. Just as she manages to convince herself that she may be losing her mind, she hears another creak and steps back. She sees the shadow of a man that turns to look at her. And it's like carved Creepy. into the stone. Yeah, Creepy. that was really well done. So cool. 
It reminds me of those optical illusions. It's exactly like that. It's so cool. (sighs) Production design. Yeah, no, it was really, yeah. The first time it turned to look, I was like, oh God, I'm spooked. Like that, Yeah, yeah, that was so unique the way that they, it Mm -hmm. wasn't just like, oh, here's a ghost. But it was like the outline of the entity Mm -hmm. was formed by the structures in the house itself, which was really, really cool. So cool. I don't want to keep bringing up The Invisible Man, but I think that... One of the things that this movie does that The Invisible Man doesn't is it's more creative with the ways that it yeah. does kind of showcase the well, nothing. It has yeah. to be because it has to the be Invisible because the nothing... Man is a person, right? Well, I mean, in The Invisible Man, you don't see anything. That That's one of the reasons why The Invisible Man is so fucking creepy. Yeah. In my humble opinion, you're like correct. that fucking scene where it's just staring at that chair. Yeah. And yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. is it there? Is he there? Yeah. <laughs> but you just like don't fucking yeah. know. <laughs> but no, but what I'm saying is that it's like the invisible man is like constrained by what a person can do. Yeah. That, that's that's why I think this is so interesting. It's mm-hmm. it, there's just a really interesting way of them telling the story visually. Yeah. And by quite literally incorporating the architecture mm-hmm. in order to create the body of this person. It's because it kind of feels like, because we know that Owen designed the house. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was so just kind of feels that. like, in a lot of ways, Owen helped build this version of the nothing. That's fair. I hadn't thought about that. That's good. Mm-hmm. Pour one out for the art department, everyone. For real. They went off. They went off and no one no one asked them to and they did it. They did it for us. I'm sure they asked them <laughs> to. They probably asked them to. <laughs> No one asked them to go that hard. Nobody saw this movie. <laughs> yeah. Which is a shame. Everybody go watch this movie. Pour another one out for the art department. Yes. Beth rushes forward thinking that whatever the shape that she saw must be Owen, but it disappears. The next day, she makes the drive to the bookstore, which is over a hundred miles away. While trying to get information about when her husband may have bought the book, she meets Madeline. The woman from the photos. Madeline denies knowing Owen at first, but after some pressing, explains that it wasn't like they were boning. They just flirted some, had a few drinks, but that was it. That night, after Claire's insistence that Beth try to get out of the house, Beth goes home to pack a bag and get a hotel room. Suddenly, she hears knocking at the door and sees a shadow walk by. One line that I want to point out that I wrote down when Beth is talking to Claire about the conversation she had with Madeline at the mm-hmm. bookshop, Claire is like, so did you believe that they weren't fucking? And she was like, yeah. actually, yes. And and she mm-hmm. was like, but that's what scares me. Like, if he wasn't fucking them, what was he doing with all of yeah. these women who looked that's like valid. her? So I mm-hmm. thought that was a really good line to include. Like, actually, it's more unsettling and creepy to think about what he was doing instead. She was like, fucking is normal. Like, I would understand that. I mean, normal yeah. in the sense of, like, you know, if you expect something, you expect them to cheat on you. Mm. But, like, yeah, yeah what, what is he doing to them or with them? Yeah. That's valid. So the shadow walks by, and it turns out it's Madeline, who says that she's been to the house before. <sighs> she wasn't going to come, but had this weird dream that she was Beth and something was chasing her. Ooh, weird. Mm-hmm. She doubles down. <laughs> That she didn't sleep with Owen. She thought that they would. But he brought her here and then eventually to the other house. And he showed her around the other house and asked her to hold the statue. The weird statue. 
Mm-hmm. And then he, like, was holding her and started crying and then tried to strangle her until she asked him to stop. And he did stop. But that's weird. And then he tells Madeline it wasn't working anymore and he couldn't hold it back. And he had to end this for good. This is weird. That's weird. <laughs> the second someone, if the moment someone would ask me to hold that statue, I'd be like, fuck no. Yeah. Get that shit away from me. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at that point, I've been friends with Heidi for so long that I would just assume that it's just like some weird thing they have. Okay, but if it's like this random, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> if it's this random man that I met in a bookstore asking me to hold that that thing. Oh, yeah. Uh-uh. No, if no. I meet some random man in a bookstore and they want to take me to their murder their house, not even fully half made <laughs> house in the woods, I would be like, no, thank you, sir. <laughs> I'm going to leave. No way. Sharing your location with everyone you know. Be like, hey, this man wants to take me into the wilderness. Yeah. No, thank you. That's so weird. After Madeline leaves, Beth makes the trek to the other house again. She asks Owen to talk to her and explain, but isn't really getting anywhere. She drops her flashlight, but as she steps forward, she steps through the floor and finds bags of bodies. And like wild, several of them. So wild. There's not like two. There's not like three. There's like a lot of them. Well, it's as many women as we've saw, have seen so far. No, it's more than that. Well, I mean, it's like at least as many. It's at least three, but it's like five or six. We also saw a lot of women in the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. like I, that's that's what I mean. Like we've we've seen oh. overall like at least five or six women. It's yeah. It's like an unsettling amount. And they're in yeah. different stages of decay. It's like the goat pit in Ready or Not, but it's people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is exactly So the like goats that. are not the sacrifice. Sacrifices, it's the people. Yeah. Good job, Laura. Thank you. It's good stuff. Connections. Connections. <laughs> <laughs> Beth races back home and calls Claire, but ends up just leaving her a cryptic voicemail. Oh, the voicemail's so sad. The voicemail is really sad. She's I know. like, I wish you were here. And I wish it was morning. And I was like, yeah. oh. Literally, oh my god, breaking my heart again. This is her reaching out. She mm-hmm. is genuinely so good in this role. Yeah. And again, this is after she has another conversation with Claire, where Claire's basically like, I hate to see you kind of doing this to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, just come spend the night here, spend yeah. however long you need here. Or, you know, get a hotel room or something because, like, yeah. being in that house is not good for you. And she says, before Beth leaves, she shouts out, I love you. And I was and like, Beth oh. doesn't say anything. That's true. I, yeah, you're, you're so right. So sad. Yeah. But it's like, here I am. I am yeah. your best friend. Anyway. Beth doesn't hang up the phone, though, which I thought was an interesting note. And then goes off to shower. The cool folk song starts playing again on the, on the stereo on its own. And Beth rushes out, calling for Owen to show himself and help her understand. In the fog of the mirror, she sees the word here. Oh my and God, she it's, wipes it's it away. Right, this and... is just so wild. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. And she wipes it away, and I think that she expects to see him in the reflection. But he's not there. Instead, she hears creaking of the floorboards and sees watery footsteps that lead up to her. She reaches out. This is really weird. Mm-hmm. And is able to, like, feel somebody there. Very invisible, man. We're just gonna keep coming back to that, I guess. 
because it's relevant. It is. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep going uh, back to it because it's relevant. <laughs> yeah. But she, like, feels somebody there. And then she, like, embraces this invisible ghost who I think starts to feel her up. I do, too. I mean, she basically, she says, like, Owen, is that you? Are you here? And then the thing says here. She's basically just, like, reuniting with her husband again. Yeah. I also want to point out that right before this happens, she's been very, like, stoic and emotionally detached for most of the movie. And she just breaks down, like, on her knees, sobbing. She's saying that she misses Owen and that she Mm -hmm. just wants him back and wants him to be there with her. And that's like, you know, to me, that was a a turning point because it's Mm -hmm. like she's finally releasing all of that emotion. And then all of this happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because like she's finally at a part where she's like at her most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she asks to like understand, like she doesn't Mm -hmm. understand and wants to know and so sad. I know. And then, like, then you get, like, right after that, like, really visceral, emotional scene. I keep saying the word visceral. I'm so sorry. (laughs) This really, like, fraught, emotional scene. It slides, like, literally, like, headfirst into this really, like, sensual reunion scene. I was like, are they about to get it on? It's like a total I thought ship. that too. Like literally the like literally like when he <laughs> when he pushes her back up against the, um, yeah. the sink and you're like, "Oh my god." And it's like happening and you're like, "Oh, oh my god." And then <laughs> yeah. It's just like it's just such a tonal shift and you're like in it and the music is good, the like the way that they're shooting it for some reason doesn't make it seem weird that there's no one there. <laughs> it definitely seems weird. I, like it I, does it but it weird. doesn't. Like you're still getting the sensuality of the scene. Yeah. And, like, it's weird, but, like, the way that they shoot it in such compartmental ways, especially once things sort of kick more mm-hmm. into high gear in terms of the, are they going to do it of it all? Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's being shot more like a classically romantic scene, which I thought was very fascinating. That's true. It's, it's, it makes it a good build up for the, the reveal. Yeah, so it really does seem like they're going to get it on. So Beth is like, Owen? And the voice finally says, I'm not Owen, in like this really creepy low voice that still sounds probably like Owen. It's very unsettling. Mm-hmm. And then we all stood and we all clapped. <laughs> <laughs> Beth freaks out and she tries to leave the bathroom, but the door slams shut on its own. When she turns and looks back at the mirror, she sees another woman there. The door in the mirror bursts open and Owen attacks her pushing her up against the mirror, trying to strangle her. As Beth tries to leave, Invisible, not Owen, slams her head against the mirror too, breaking the glass from the impact. Beth stumbles forward and goes into the bedroom where she notices the numbers on the clock are backward. A woman tells her to hide and she sees another person in the closet and then someone slide under the bed. As she's about to duck under the bed as well, Owen comes in, dragging a woman in with him and begins to hogtie her like the statue. As Beth looks around, she sees that same weird silhouette of a man that she's seen before. It sees her too and starts to grow in size and approach her. The more she explores this house, the one that looks just like hers, the more horrifying scenes of Owen with other women she encounters and the more of the silhouette she sees. Honestly, this is shot so well. Yeah. It's like you feel, you feel very much so like she is trapped in her own home. 
Mm-hmm. And I love the like maze aspect that they bring into this too, where she, where the house is like quite literally changing around her. Mm-hmm. And I like I already mentioned this, but I really, really love the way that they have her body mimicking the movements of the other woman, like bringing in that doppelganger effect. I think that that's really fascinating. I was actually going to ask, what do you think the significance of that is? Like the fact that they're mirroring each other. I, I mean, I think that it is just a visual representation of what Owen was trying to do. Mm-hmm. I also think that it is in a way nothing trying to like make up for all of these lost sacrifices mm-hmm. and like putting her through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, Cause I was thinking mm-hmm. about that today because I, I was rewatching the end of the movie today, just mm-hmm. the end part and watching it again. Cause when I watched it for the first time, I was like, what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. the entire, cause like just so much happens so quickly yeah. that you're just like kind of just taking it all in. But like when you're watching it, knowing what's happening and knowing how the end goes, you're like, Oh, okay. I can see what it's mm-hmm. doing. It's reliving all these sacrifices and putting her through what these women went through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like literally showing the showing them the mirror that Owen was creating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that says. Like, what do you guys think that that means? Like thematically? That's like, what I was wondering. Yeah. Like what that's, that's what my question is basically. Like, how does that tie into everything else? I mean, I think that. I guess it kind of depends on how we read Owen's actions in this film. Because yeah. I... Yeah. One thing that I thought was really interesting that I was thinking about today was this idea, if if you're reading The Nothing as a physical, well, I guess not really physical, uh, a metaphysical <laughs> representation mm-hmm. of depression. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how like it has a hold on you and how it can affect the people around you. Mm-hmm then we're viewing Owen as a person who took it upon himself to fight Beth's depression. Yeah. That's why, that's why, that's the direction I went with it. And that's why I highlighted that line where she says at the bar, he's the one that kept them at bay, Mm -hmm, the depression mm -hmm. and the dark thoughts. So it's literalizing that attempt to kind of ease her depression, if possible. Yeah. And I would say that it, the movie is kind of showing that, if a person isn't doing some form of the work themselves also, mm-hmm. it can be detrimental to the people around them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think, I think it kind of is sort of like literalizing like the, Hey, this is what, Oh, the, these are the mm-hmm. links that Owen was going yeah. to to help you. Absolutely. And, and in some ways it's kind of like guilting her about that, but you know, Yeah. How about let's come back to this conversation because I think it'll make a lot more sense after we have done the summary. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I'm still, I'm, I'm not fully, I'm not fully formed yet anyway. I am not either, but I had thoughts on that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Let's keep going. An invisible force grabs Beth and pulls her down the hall and then throws her down the stairs where she sees Owen sitting with her, her being Beth. At Christmas, her head is resting in his lap and they're sitting in front of the fire. Owen turns and speaks to the real Beth, explaining that this person who's been chasing her is who she met when she died. That feeling of nothingness that she had. That's why it's called the nothing. It has been following her, trying to get Owen to send her back to it, but Owen refused. Owen tried to send the being the other women in her place, but it only worked for a while. When she wakes, 
the being grabs her. It strangles her and eventually positions her the same as the statue and she is unable to get away. She's like floating suspended there with like her wrists and her ankles like behind her and it looks so uncomfortable. Yeah, that's scary. That was another scary part. (laughs) Yeah, one of the things I want to mention that I forgot to mention during this scene is I do like how when it's recreating or or showing Mm -hmm. her how each woman died or was killed, was murdered, Mm -hmm. you can see death watching or death or nothingness, whatever we want to call it, depression. Mm -hmm. I I think it represents all of those things. Um, You can see nothingness watching each time and yeah. then then i think each time it also looks back at her like no no i know this is not you yeah. you're over here so it's like showing how it was being oh tricked each time but then it always now came back to her and knows that she is still alive and there's that one scene where she's getting dragged down the hallway mm-hmm. and he just killed that one woman owen did mm-hmm. and she says owen owen and he looks up and looks at her yeah mm-hmm. wild <laughs> like that's that's literally all I had to say. It was yeah. just wild. <laughs> it reminds me of in Final Destination how people will try to have other people killed, especially that one that we just watched. Like mm. if you kill somebody else, then like death will be appeased, but like death is not actually appeased and always comes back for them. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of like what it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Outside. Beth sees two moons, one red and one white, before she passes out. In the morning, Claire drives up to check on Beth, good friend, and finds well, I mean, the door. If you got that voicemail, you would too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she probably felt like shit when she heard that voicemail. Oh, I'm sure. She, she tried was... though. Yeah. I mean, you know, she fully did, but like, I mean, I could not imagine getting a voicemail like that from like my one of my best friends. Yeah, I would no. lose my mind. Yeah. In the morning. Claire drives up to check on Beth and finds the front door unlocked and open. The house is in disarray and she sees the broken mirror and really starts to worry. As though she weren't already worried, but like more so. Mm -hmm. She continues searching and finds that the handgun that Owen used to kill himself is also missing. And she runs to the window where she sees Beth in the boat, hunched over, floating not too far from the dock. Scary. Beth like wakes up in the boat, but she's like bathed in the red light of the mirror moon. Across from her husband, who is naked, and looking at his suicide letter. He sets it down and prepares to do the thing, but Beth interrupts, asking where Owen is. Nothing says Owen is gone, but she already knew that. She can vaguely hear Claire calling to her in this dreamlike state as the being, nothing, tries to convince her to join it once again. And like, Beth is really contemplating this. And just as she's, like, prepared to shoot herself, she hears Claire calling her again, and it breaks her out of her stupor, despite the being's insistence that she come back to him. Beth returns to the real world after deciding against killing herself, just as Claire swims up to the boat and pulls her into the water, escorting her safely back to the dock where Mel helps her up. She and Mel both look out at the boat, and I think that she's the only one, but she seems Mm -hmm. to see the shadow of nothing on the water. They made it, the way that they edited it kind of made it seem like Mel saw it too. I thought that too, but I don't think. But I don't know if he did. It well, definitely, he says, she definitely saw it. There's he nothing says there. there's nothing. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. But he's he's like, there is nothing. He's right. <laughs> well, that's, he the, is like, right. that's the wink wink. Yeah. Oh, it's good though. Oh my God. Hot take. Mel knew it all along. 
I mean, Heidi's been there. Heidi's been there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna double back a little bit for a second before Mm -hmm. we go forward with talking about like the end of this, Mm -hmm. just because I wanted to speak again about the idea of the nothing and Owen and Beth and like that dynamic, Mm -hmm. especially as it plays out in this third act of the film, specifically. Like, we've already kind of talked about it in a couple of ways, but I think the idea of the nothing impersonating Owen was -hmm. really interesting to me this time around. Yes. This idea of, like, this thing that is representing her mental illness engaging with her romantically, even sexually, Mm -hmm. was interesting to me. I don't know what to make of it. I don't either. But was very interesting to me. And then I think the idea of her safety and violence being so interconnected also was really interesting. I think it I think it also kind of says something about like just womanhood in general, but more so kind of paints a picture of like the sort of very fine line that people who have like severe depression can kind of walk to. In particular, I'm thinking of that that scene where we find out kind of like what's going on, where she's laying with her yeah. head in Owen's lap and he mm-hmm. like starts to choke her and then stops himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like how that is kind of in a, in a way sort of mimicked in a more nefarious way in the bathroom where like they are, I guess, kind of like making out and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden he flips the switch into violence again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what you guys are thinking of that, but like, I I felt like I, I felt all of that was just so interesting. I just didn't know like what exactly to make of it. I think mm-hmm. that even if there's not really something that we can like take away from it in like a full fledged like thought form, I guess like like the thematic play between like mental illness and romance and sexuality and violence and like self harm and like lack of communication like all of it is just so interesting (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i i think i came at it from a different angle because i was thinking about like within the narrative one of my questions was that i think i might have answered was first i asked does nothing want beth to discover the truth because that is the voice she's hearing Mm -hmm. throughout Mm -hmm. the whole movie so i'm like you know, it, it's leading her to figure all of this stuff out. And I was thinking, why does it want her to figure all this stuff out? And I think I think I settled on, yes, it does. Because to me, that's what's keeping her depressed. That's what's keeping, or at least in this depressive mm-hmm. episode that she's having. Yeah, It's preventing her from moving on and healing like her friends are encouraging her to do. So I think that it's, to answer that question, I think that yes, it's intentionally doing that and intentionally making her think that it's Owen because it knows mm-hmm. that she's going to be more likely to do whatever yeah. it's saying because mm-hmm. she thinks it's a loved one that she trusts. Well, I, I completely agree with that. But then as, as she's learning that he's perhaps not who she thought he was, then that connection is kind of severing. And and I think that's where the violence starts to come in even more. So maybe mm-hmm. that kind of speaks to what you were saying, Natalie, is that like yeah. the more she starts to think, or question whether or not she knew the real Owen, the more violent and dangerous their interactions become. Mm -hmm. Except they do have that kind of, that intimate moment at the end, but that's almost like, since it's the preface to this big reveal that she actually Mm -hmm. is in danger, that's even to me tying sex, like the 
the yeah. sexual intimacy and the violence even more together, yeah. more tightly. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I thought that was really interesting that there are several points in the film where they allude to the fact that Owen was keeping the thoughts, the dark thoughts at bay. Yeah. Um, and even at the end, nothing says you thought he could protect you. Mm-hmm. So that's just speaking more to like how nothing represents probably a, the depression that she was experiencing after her, you know, death and, you know, fatal car crash. Mm-hmm. And then coming back to life, she was probably severely depressed after that because yeah. well, I almost said near death experience, but she like fully died. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like her death experience coming back from that, probably like, wow, there's nothing after death. Um, great. Yeah, that would fuck me up too. Exactly. <laughs> and then, because he says, I've been with you ever since. And I took that to mean ever since mm-hmm. the crash. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, of course. So then, like, then I kind of saw, you know, Owen's death as, like, mm-hmm. kind of precipitating another depressive episode, which is why this nothing starts to come after her again. Plus, mm-hmm. Owen's not there to defend her. Yeah. So those are kind of, like, all my thoughts about the relationship between those three and the, the larger mm-hmm. metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. And like the thing that I had gotten like really hung up on after the second watch was like, what do you think happened between nothing and Beth while she was dead? I think nothing happened. I don't like, I, yeah. I don't know because like the way that nothing acts and like the jealousy and possessiveness like feels mm-hmm. like, an abusive lover right yeah like you belong to me i think that's definitely fair i think that's a good read of it but i think the whole point is that nothing nothing happened yeah i mean i but he but I he owned her like he did own her because she was she she joined the nothing yeah maybe, maybe? that you know thinking about it in terms of symbolizing depression maybe that is meant to just kind of give that sense of nothingness of a black hole of you Mm -hmm. know complete emptiness maybe just like total lack yeah yeah no no positivity no no hope Mm -hmm. i mean yeah because like when you're in that kind of mindset it's hard to pull yourself out of it Mm -hmm. yeah and i think like coming back around to like when i had made the reference to like death and final destination the way that nothing is like built into the structure of the house and is always like mm-hmm. around the corner just like points to the inevitability of death mm-hmm. and like how that's always lurking in the back of her mind or like over her shoulder but also i think it also points to the kind of like insidious nature of mental illness absolutely like, when you have something like depression or anxiety or even something like grief mm-hmm. that you can you can't cure that like that's inescapable Mm -hmm. that's with you always Mm -hmm. and even when things are going really really well there's still that undercurrent of it is there Mm -hmm. it's not going away it's treatable it's not curable yeah and sometimes even in a sense it's like this probably depends on the mental illness you're talking about but tricking it is kind of like a therapeutic technique and yeah (laughs) I, i hesitate to say trick because usually i think it's framed as like you live with it, you figure out ways to Mm -hmm. cope. But sometimes, you know, those ways are kind of like, kind of tricking it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. But I feel like there are therapeutic techniques that are like, you live with it by Mm -hmm. kind of trying to be above it, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to like force, force yourself. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Or to like make more positive associations with Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, some some sort of trickery in a sense, but that's why I think kind of going along with what we've just been saying, the line at the very end where he says there's nothing, there is only me. And then she hears Claire's voice and he keeps saying, it doesn't matter. Let go. Come back to me. That hit really mm-hmm. hard. Like just that sense of like overwhelming, like, you know, that she so badly wants to listen to that voice, mm-hmm. but just that little, mm-hmm. little tiny, like sound of her friend's voice is what brings her back. And that was so mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. No, that's that's fully why I was like at that point I like fully cried. In the yeah, theater. I was like I, <laughs> I mean it's also like different when you're watching um, when you're watching something like this like in a theater, on the big screen like you can't look at your phone like it's like mm-hmm. that sort of situation too so you're like really invested. But I was just like that mm-hmm. hit that hit my, that hit my depressed ass hard. <laughs> Honestly, that was one of the most poignant scenes I think I've seen in a long time mm-hmm. in a horror film. I, know. I was like this this movie gets it mm-hmm. yeah you know and i'm sure that i'm sure that like that's also like specific to like my experience but yeah i the end of this movie i thought was definitely very beautiful i was yeah. i was legitimately worried that she was gonna kill herself mm-hmm. i was like legitimately worried that that's how it was gonna end yeah. and when it didn't end that way i was so relieved yeah. yeah one other question i had if you don't mind changing gears a little bit that I want to come back to is like, what do you think is happening when she's falling asleep in one room and waking up in another? Like, is she just sleepwalking or like, what do you, what did you take that to mean? I fully thought she was entering like this alternate dimension. Hmm. I thought that it was a dimensional thing. (laughs) Yeah. I could be wrong. And I think we're not supposed to know. Yeah. Cause that was like one of the one, one of the things that I was still not sure about at the end of my second viewing, I was like, what's going on? Like, is she yeah. yeah is she entering this different reality in a way or is she just sleepwalking and like hallucinating at the same time i don't know i think it's both i think she is sleepwalking and interacting with the things that she's seeing but maybe she doesn't remember it like you know how you like sleep and have dreams but you can't remember what they are when you wake up mm-hmm. like her mind is repressing the memories of her dream or what she's experiencing on the other side of things and the reflection of everything mm-hmm. until she understands the truth. Because like, if she were to actually think that she had experienced what she had experienced in that moment without like fully understanding, it would probably break her brain. Yeah. Yeah. I do like how Natalie said it's kind of like the upside down, but it's almost yeah. like the reflection. Exactly. I, I, I really think that a good way of like kind of understanding it for me is that last scene because mm-hmm. you can see you see her on the boat in real life. Yeah, yeah. but she's elsewhere. That's, but she yeah, is for sure. In, but in when you see her on the boat in real life, she, her head is down. Yeah, but in the red in the in the red lake <laughs> in the night house world, her um, she's like looking up and looking at Owen who's sitting across mm-hmm. from her. Yeah, so like. It's like, okay, there are two different quote-unquote realities that are happening simultaneously in that moment. Mm -hmm. The Beth that is in our reality is asleep, Mm -hmm. but still interacting with the world because her other body is, like, actually doing things in this other reality. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that, that's how I took it. I don't know if that's the case. They left it purposefully open, and I like yeah. that they did. I like that we didn't get a ton of answers. We got, we actually got a lot of answers, but yeah. I like that we didn't get a million answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that they gave us enough to feel like we understand what's going on and have a read of it, yeah. but not necessarily like know every little detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the film, to, like, understand what it's getting at, you don't need to know the answers to everything. Like, it gives you enough answers that it drives its point home. hmm I kind of also like that you don't necessarily need to have experienced depression or a depressive yeah. episode or even mental illness to kind of understand mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah. But I feel like if you if you are someone who has experienced that or, or similar feelings, then it's kind of like, oh, that hits. That hits even harder. Mm-hmm. But it's not, I don't think it's like, you need to know exactly what it feels like to feel what she is feeling. Mm-hmm. But it, it adds another layer to it. I agree. I, yeah, I just really like this movie. I'm, I'm glad that we chose it. Yeah. Me too. I felt like this movie was really important when it came out. And I think that it did something that a lot of other movies try to do. And I, I think that it connects with different people on different levels. Yeah. This movie is like rated really highly, but like looking at like the reviews on Letterboxd, I think that they range from like three to mostly like three to like four, four and a half. And I gave it a four and a half on my second watch. On my first watch, I gave it a four. I think it could it could be cut down a little bit. I think it's a little long. Yeah. That's Maybe. Fair. Yeah. But other than that, I'm like, this is I just I really like this movie. Yeah. It's it's really yeah, good. It's a good one. Thank you guys for talking about it with me. I really enjoyed this conversation i did too yeah i remember i texted i sent a text to both of you afterwards and i was like this film is thematically rich (laughs) i know so so excited to talk about it i know i was like we are literally i I'm, i'm trying to split the difference and so i'm doing like one fun one and then one serious one so my next pick is gonna be a fun one but that's not for another two movies do we want to preview what we're gonna do next time yeah what's up next We're going to be taking a journey back to 1958, and we're going to watch the original version of The Blob. I would maybe also recommend watching the 1980 version, because I have a feeling, I have a feeling that it might come up. (laughs) Should we just do a double feature and do both? Well, if we do both, we're going to be talking about it forever. Yeah, it's going to be like a four-hour episode, so. But I would maybe, we could do like maybe a little. I'll do like a little like comparison at the end. Yeah. We're mostly going to talk about the original because it's superior. The special effects in the, the 1980 blob are like truly next level. They are really cool. I'll get they are that. They are truly phenomenal. So shout but out to that. But the original is really great. It is not in black and white. So yet again, I have not chosen a black and white film and I have broken our streak. But it is from the 1950s. We're going we're gonna to do some sci-fi. We're going to do some aliens. We're going to do some eco-horror. Yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about how society impacts horror movies. It's going to be great. Yeah, it actually is. The original Blob is actually a really fun time and I'm actually quite excited to revisit some of the really choice dialogue that the 58 version of the blog has to offer. It's great. The blog. <laughs> I said the blog. The blog. <laughs> the 58 version of the Blob has to offer. I've only seen the 80s version, so I have not seen the original and I am excited to to dive I in. I will fully say after the first time i watched this movie i was quoting it for months after i watched it so fun it's a good time i'm excited so yeah thank you guys so much for listening to yet another episode of the slashers prefer blondes podcast 
we are really happy to have you here and we would really appreciate it if you guys could reach out to us on instagram with things you like about the show or if you're feeling especially kind rate and review us on the podcatcher of your choice even maybe give us a subscribe like just hang out so you can catch new episodes when they're updated we would really appreciate any feedback you have and rating and reviewing us and sharing us with your friends who also like horror movies would be really helpful in helping our podcast grow if you are interested in following us on instagram our instagram is at slashers before blondes podcast we kind of post some updates about the show and just like some fun little extras on that Instagram if you're interested in giving us a follow. We are really excited to see you next month for our episode on The Blob. So thank you so much. Stay spooky, everyone. And we will catch you next time. End of podcast. Yes. <laughs> 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 Look. <laughs> I love that song.